something a little different tonight. I actually um, had time to um, to get a few extra things together for you in terms of outlines and all that good stuff. It is good for us just to, uh, you know, sometimes just get a sheet of paper out and take some notes and stuff like that, uh, do it on our own, and I know it is part of just who we are these days uh, as far as uh, getting the notes down and all this stuff, but this is one of those that I thought was extremely, uh, when I was studying it, uh, it done a whole lot of convicting to my own self uh, personally uh, for us to get an idea of what it looks like, a look on the inside of Paul's life. Um, man, you don't have to bear with me tonight. You we probably need to pray for my voice and head and all this stuff. I don't know what's going on, but um, it's it's gonna. We're gonna get a really good look at at Paul's life uh, on an it, from a from an inside perspective of what it looked like as an older guy who had been through the ranks of um, of Pharisee. It made it all the way through the ranks, the top of the ranks as a Pharisee, and then lost it all. So he loses all of the rank, he loses everything that he has, and he has to start all over, okay? And so he starts all over, and where did he start all over at? He started all over on the Damascus Road. So, and, he, and he's going to let us know how we let, we find out how we know that Paul started all over. Um, but what's really interesting is him starting all over, and he has to, he has to depend on uh, the disciples to to show him the things of Christ. Uh, so he learns, he learns a lot of things concerning Jesus Christ, and and then we know what he does after that. He comes out of that, and God uses him tremendously. But what's really interesting about Philippians chapter three is uh, in these verses. He's really bearing down on this idea of growing in the Lord, like till you die. Like it's a really, it's it's really, uh, and and it's something I think I you know it's really been a burden on my own heart because uh, I feel like you know I, I told our class this on Monday night, man. I I feel like if if we're not careful, we're going to do the same thing. Uh, we're going to do the same thing our our the generation before us did. And we're going to drop the ball with discipleship. And I, I, I know that, you know, they're like, man, this is a, I, I, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to send out a text when this is all over with, and I'm going to encourage everybody in the youth, uh, everybody that's in, whatever, are scattered all over the place tonight. Um, Daniel and Candace are in Nashville helping uh, get set up for Wedstrong. There's a lot they're doing uh, behind the scenes to try to help Justin and them out for Wedstrong. And um, which starts tomorrow night, and then um, you know, Tori and Dylan are in youth, and and the rest of them in Awana and all this stuff, and and uh, so I'm gonna go back, send a message. Hey, look, go back and listen to tonight. Why? Uh, this is this is really a pretty big deal. What we're gonna deal with tonight, and um, and I say that because uh, because because Paul lets us get a look inside his own life he does that on a regular basis but I think if if you'll if you'll look at it from the inside what Paul's trying to get us to see you'll get to see a dude that gets real vulnerable 
and real open about who he is and, and what, he, what he knows, uh, what he's wanting to know. And, and so let's, let's, let's jump into that. And uh, before we do, let's pray, all right? Now, why don't you pray for me? Pray that, <laughs> that I make it through uh, with my voice staying intact somewhat. Uh, Lord, I, I want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for, uh, thank you for being good. Uh, thank you for being faithful and true. And uh, Lord, uh, I'll probably do a whole lot of stumbling over over my words because of whatever's going on in my head. Lord, I pray that you help me with that. I pray, uh, God, that you let the power of God uh, work in this room and through this time of preaching. I pray, God, that you give us ears to hear. I pray, Lord, that um, Lord that you bless Awana, God, that you use those in their teaching, uh, Lord, investing in kids, those in the youth, uh, Lord, I, I pray, God, as they're hearing the words of truth, God, that they resonate deep, and um, uh, Lord, I know that there is uh, there's a visitor tonight, and I, I pray, God, that I pray, Lord, that you convict her heart, and, and Lord, you let her see. Uh, something real in that in that group over there. So God, I, I pray that you use them. I pray God that you uh, that you bring us to a place uh, to where we can see tonight just how real this idea of growing in the Lord is uh, till we take our last breath. Uh, Lord, I I love you, and uh, Lord, I pray for whatever's going on with me, um, Lord, over the next couple days uh, in in Nashville. God, that it wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't hinder anything up there as far as mine and, and Jordan's time away and, and just being in services and stuff like that. So, Lord, I pray that you bless it, and I pray, God, that you use it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're going to deal with this idea of continual discipleship, um, this deal to where we're, we're understanding that this is a place, continual discipleship is a place where we never quit growing, Okay. Um, I, I think, I don't know, I remember, and, and may, it may not be a lot of people can necessarily recall, recall this, but I remember uh, the moment, a moment in time, when I grew at an exponential rate, and I can remember that moment, in, in, you know, uh, in the weightlifting world, whatever, they would call it, they would call it newbie gains, like beginner gains or whatever. And you know what? It may actually transfer over to, to the walk of, of somebody that just came to Christ. It, it may transfer over. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that it does. I don't know that it doesn't. But here's what I do know. I know that every single time my growth in the Lord Jesus, Every t single time that it did that it didn't actually happen, it was because there was a love loss on my part for Jesus Christ. There was a part of me, and you say, "Man, I, I would never admit there was any love loss." Well, you you may be a liar. I don't know, uh, but I would dare say there is some of us in this room that have had some love loss for Jesus Christ at one point in time in their life. You may not want to admit it. You may not. You may you may say, "Oh, no, that's not me." But I believe if you you get down to the to the real to the real brass tacks of the whole matter our problem is it's love loss it has nothing to do with the church it ain't got nothing to do with what's necessarily being preached or what you like or what you don't like or whatever else you got going on in life but if we're all honest a heart that's honest 
a heart that gets serious about this thing understands when our heart is towards Jesus Christ, we overcome complacency. Everybody understand that? That when your heart is towards Jesus Christ, that you're going to overcome complacency. I, I, don't, I, I believe if we got serious, we could understand that. Ultimately, nobody can make us love Jesus, right? Everybody understands that? Nobody can make you love Jesus. And discipleship only works in the heart of the believer if the discipleship is rooted in a desire to know Jesus Christ on an intimate level. That's the only way it actually works. So, so I, I say this on a regular basis. I, I think, I, think I, I, I told some people recently, I told a guy recently, people that, that consistently have an issue with discipleship have an issue with counting the cost of what it's going to actually cost to love Jesus. Not just to follow Jesus, but to love Jesus. Why? Well, because to follow Jesus Christ is to love Jesus Christ. To love Jesus Christ, what is it? It is to follow Jesus Christ. They're, they go hand in hand, right? Amen? All right, I'm trying not to bore you, but, but the, what, what, what does spiritual growth actually look like? What does spiritual growth actually look like? Well, uh, over the last uh, two and a half chapters in in the book of Philippians, we've dealt with this idea. In understanding where we've been, we've dealt with this idea of joy and we've dealt with the idea of rejoicing. Chapter 3 has really narrowed in on this idea of rejoicing, but we've, we've dealt with joy and we've dealt with rejoicing and it's been kind of a common theme as, as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi for the last two and a half chapters. But I want you to remember something. This is, this is a very important piece of the whole thing. That joy and rejoicing only come from Jesus Christ. That is the centralized theme of the entire book of Philippians. It is joy and it is rejoicing and it is peace. But all the joy and all the rejoicing and all the peace, they all come and they're all centered around this one aspect of knowing Jesus Christ. And so Paul's heart for this church... Paul's heart for this church is, I want you to have joy. I want you to have peace. I want you to have rejoicing. Hey, look, he's, he's got a lot of great things to say about them. I mean, he is, I mean, this is a, this is a really cool book to a really good church, but, but make sure you don't miss it. Jesus Christ is the centralized theme of all their joy and of all their peace and of all their rejoicing. And so Paul's heart for the church Paul's heart for the church is for them to understand. We get it right here in chapter 3 and verse number 12. For them to understand that if you're going to keep your joy and if you're going to keep your peace and if you're going to keep your rejoicing, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to grow. You are going to have to grow in the Lord. And if you don't, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to have the joy that you once had you're not going to have the peace that you once had. You're not going to have the rejoicing that you once had. And I, I believe that all of us have been through a season like that. I think all of us has been in church long enough to where we didn't grow and we didn't have peace and we didn't have joy and we didn't have rejoicing because we wasn't growing in Jesus Christ. And maybe that's where you are now. Maybe that's where your life is right now. But whatever the case is, Whatever the case is, you need to get the heart of Paul for the church. Now, look in verse number 12, if you would. Verse number 12. Not as though, anybody else in here hot? 
We got cold, hot. What are you? Everybody good? All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, for that which I also am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If in, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it, uh, shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind, uh, let us mind the same thing. So what does spiritual growth look like for me and you? What does spiritual growth look like for this church? Well, what does it look like for the Apostle Paul dealing with this church at Philippi? All right, so we're going to deal with number one. It starts with a right evaluation. It starts with a right evaluation. Okay, it's got to start with a right evaluation. Look, look what Paul says in verse number 12. He automatically, in verse 12, acknowledges his need for spiritual growth. Right off the get-go. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after. But I follow after. Now, now when you hear that, you think, man... Paul is a hero of the faith. How many of you understand that Paul's a hero of the faith, right? Everybody understand that? I, I mean, Paul has planted churches. Paul has more, abun uh, more abundantly labored than all the other apostles. Paul has more fruit than all the other apostles. Paul has been used to write more scripture than anyone else on this planet. And yet, Paul says, I'm not there yet. Paul says, I, have, I, ha I haven't already attained. I haven't made it where I, where I haven't made it to the goal. I have not made the, the mark that I'm trying to set, that I'm trying to hit. I've not made it there yet. Oh, yeah, I've done all this stuff. I've discipled these guys. I've planted these churches. I've done this. I've done that. And you know my labor, and you've seen my labor, and you've seen my preaching. I mean, the gospel went to Europe because of the Apostle Paul. I mean, the, the, the churches in, 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 in Europe as we know them are because the Apostle Paul. Okay? Everybody, everybody got that, right? Big deal. <laughs> Missionary of missionaries. And he's like, yeah, but, but I hadn't already attained. Okay, so so I, I so what, make sure make sure you get this. We've got to have a right evaluation. You cannot have a misguided evaluation when you're looking at spiritual growth, or you're gonna get a misguided outcome of your evaluation, right? So what what is what does our evaluation look like? Well, a couple things he deals. He deals with our reward. He deals with our reward. What is our reward? Well, we know it to be. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? That's our reward. That's where we're going to be rewarded for the things done in our body. Okay? 
uh, verse 11, he says, if, any, uh, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I'd already attained, either already perfect. Now, now look, look, what he, look, look, what he's, look what he's saying. We understand that, that Paul is not talking about attaining the resurrection of the dead. Why? Because he's already in Christ. He's already made that plain, right? He's in Christ. But what is he doing? Well, look, look what he said. Look why he's following. Why don't you look? Make sure you see why he says, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which cause I am apprehended of Christ. Okay? He, he, is, he is following after something that he may apprehend something that has already apprehended him. What's he trying to apprehend? What's he trying to get a hold of? He's trying to get a hold of Christ that's already gotten a hold of him. Does that make sense? Okay, don't, don't make it harder than what it's got to be. Okay. Verse 12, he says it like this. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Okay, so he's making it plain. I, I haven't attained, and I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm not, what I, I, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not what I want to be. But I want you to look at verse number 8. I, I, I've got that there on your outline. Part of verse number 8. For, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Okay? So I've suffered the loss of all the things in my life that I used to have. And the Apostle Paul had a lot. The Apostle Paul was probably a very, very, very wealthy man. Being of the stature that he was, he was probably worth a lot of money. Probably had houses. Probably had land. He was probably something special. And for in, in, in verse 8, he said, For whom I suffered the loss of all those things. Why? That I may win Christ. I had to count those things that I had. I had to count them but dung. Okay? Now, here's an important thing to understand. Winning Christ isn't salvation. Winning Christ isn't salvation. Why? Well, because if it is, a lost man's preaching this. Everybody understand that? If winning Christ is, is salvation... Then, then, then the Apostle Paul's lost right now while he writes the scripture. No, it's not. Why? Because, I want you to make sure you get this. There is a prize for the high calling, for the high calling of God. Okay? There is a prize. We're on, we're, we're, we're on our way to attain a prize. Okay? Verse 14 says it like this. I press toward the mark of for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? So there is a prize. There we are we are on our way. So God is dealing with our reward. God's dealing with our reward. So he's not attained. He's not at the place he wants to be yet. So I'm, so I'm looking at my I'm looking at my evaluation. So so I'm looking at my reward and, and then I'm looking at my completion. 
He deals with our completion. He said either we're already perfect. Now, there's two different ideas of perfect in your Bible. One of them is perfect uh, with no sin, and the other is, is incomplete. There's two verses I listed in your, in your, uh, in your outline that would, that would give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 8, verse 16. Now all the works of Solomon was prepared under the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished. So the house of the Lord was perfected. Okay, so everybody understands. If you, you're looking at verse 16, this until it was finished. in uh, this idea of being finished, meaning the house of the Lord was perfected or completed. Okay, Galatians 3 and verse 3, a New Testament verse. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now? So, so, so the, the, the other side of this thing is, is beginning, starting in the flesh, right? Does everybody understand that? We're starting in the flesh, so now I'm not starting, but I'm what? I'm finishing. So, so, so did, you, did, you, or did you start in the Spirit and, and now are, are you going to complete yourself in the flesh? Does everybody understand that? Are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? Are you going to finish in the flesh? So, so, so here we are. We've got to understand that we're, we're not perfect on either level, right? You're not, you're not perfect because you're not sinless, and you're not perfect because you're not complete, right? Okay, but but make sure make sure you did the, that, that Paul is dealing with my completion and your completion, meaning meaning that we're not finished, that we're not perfect yet. I, I think it's interesting that that if you go into any Barnes and Noble bookstore, one of the biggest sections in this Barnes and Noble bookstore is the self help section. Man, there is, there, is, there is book after book after book. Why? It's one of the biggest markets on the planet right now. Because, why? Because everybody knows that they need help. Everybody knows it. That's why they're going and buying these books. That's why, that's why for years, and, and I know this sounds crazy, but that's why for years Joel Osteen's book, was on the bestseller list. Why? Because everybody is trying to figure out how to get a better version of their old self. And so Paul is Paul's doing the same thing. He's just saying the only way to get a different version is for the version that you have to walk in Christ and to be perfected or to be completed. And so Paul is dealing with, with our evaluation on the basis of reward and on the basis of completion, are you, uh, are, you, are you satisfied? If you die right now, are you satisfied with the reward? Are you satisfied with your reward right now? You draw your last breath. Are you satisfied with what the judgment seat is going to look like? Are, are, are you satisfied with your completion right now? Man, if you, if you had to reproduce, and, and, and here's, the, here's the really cool thing. Only the person that looks in that mirror really knows if they'd be satisfied at the judgment seat and if they would be satisfied in reproducing themselves 
in someone else's Christian right now, would you be satisfied in cloning yourself as another, as another Christian in this world to fight the good fight of faith? Man, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but, but I still need some help. There's four things, and these aren't in your outline. I wrote them down later. There's four things that I believe every single person needs to bring them to maturity. Number one, they need Scripture. Number two, they need prayer. Number three, they need trials. And number four, this is where this is the one that 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 gets left off. They need a they need somebody to walk with them. They need a mentor. They need somebody in discipleship. They need a Paul. They need a Timothy. They need a Titus. I've got this, these verses in your outline. Colossians 1 and verse 28. I want you to look at verse 29. Whom we preach, warning every... This is the conclusion. This is the goal of the Apostle Paul's preaching. Look what he says. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. You ready? That we may present every man... What is that word? Perfect. What, what do we say? What do we say? Galatians 3. I, I mean, are, are, are you so foolish that you've begun in the Spirit, but you're going to complete yourself or you're going to finish this race in the flesh? Now, this is what Paul said, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. This is the end of Paul's preaching. The end, the beginning of Paul's preaching had everything to do with the end of a person's life. You know, we get it so, you know, we get so backwards. Is we believe we preach like the beginning of a person's life is all that matters in Christ. So what we do is, man, well, they need to get saved. Of course they need to get saved. <laughs> and everybody said amen right there, right? Of course they need to get saved. And the goal of the Apostle Paul is this. I want to preach and I want to warn every man and I want to teach every man in all wisdom. Why? So that we can present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. See, this is the job of the local church. This is the job of the local church. Ephesians 4 and verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a unto what? Unto a perfect man. What does a perfect man look like? Okay? Check it out. This is what a perfect man looks like unto the what? The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I don't think none of us in here's got that ruler out just yet and met it, have we? You got that mark on the wall that you're that you, you lining up that baby every night? Because I know I know one thing, I ain't doing that. I had made it to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And the apostle Paul says, listen, the job of the local church is to grind it out till we all come into the unity of the faith of the Son of God until we all till we can present this body perfect. 
It's a big deal, right? Okay? So he deals, he, he, he deals with our reward, he deals with our completion, and then he deals with our reality. He deals with our, with our reality. What is that? We're not complete yet. So we're just not complete. We're, we, we have not yet been conformed to the image of God's Son. It just ain't happened yet, right? Okay, uh, let, me, let me give you the next one. Uh, number two, the right ambition. The right evaluation. And then the right ambition. What is my ambition? To intensify our pursuit for spiritual growth. To intensify our pursuit for spiritual growth. Now, I like this. I like this illustration, this idea of pursuit. Why? Well, because I, I enjoy hunting stuff. Especially when 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 I got when I got to coon hunt a whole lot. This I can kind of I can kind of track. Track with this a little bit more. I want you to understand there, there, there's the image of pursuit. He says, but I follow after. But I follow after. Uh, what, what, is, what is that I'm following? It's the pursuit of something. It is the understanding of pursuing something. It's, it, when, we, when we go coon hunting, uh, the thing we would do is we would turn those dogs loose and, and they were on the hunt. They were on pursuit of most of the time it was a raccoon. Sometimes it would be a deer, till then it turned into a raccoon. Sometimes it would be an armadillo, but, but most of the time it was a raccoon. It was just what they were bred to do. It was them being in pursuit of something. Okay? That's what you and I should be doing. Our ambition should be to pursue Jesus Christ. That's what we should be doing. Pursuing Jesus Christ. Look what he tells Timothy. But thou... Oh, man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Timothy, I want you to follow after these things. Paul's command to Timothy is to follow after some things, pursue some things. But to do that, I want you to understand, here, here's, here's the opposite side of the same coin. Timothy, if you are going to pursue some things, guess what you're also going to have to do? You're going to have to flee some things. You're going to have to flee these things. Things. And you know what's the same way for every Christian? No, no Christian will ever pursue Jesus Christ. No Christian will ever pursue or follow after Jesus Christ as long as they're not fleeing the other things that are keep the things that are keeping them from following Jesus. Does that make sense? If you're going to pursue the Lord, there's going to be some things you're going to have to lay down. 
If you're going to pursue Jesus Christ, guess what? There's going to be some things that you're going to have to count the cost on and say, you know what, I'm just I'm not going to do that. We dealt with some conflicts. Monday night we dealt with some things that, that, that some conflicts that arise for every single person that will follow Jesus Christ. We dealt with the family, we dealt with vocation. What was that third one we dealt with? Church. There, there's some conflicts that are going to arise in your life that, that your, your family's going to keep you from following Jesus if they can. I know you ain't going to believe it, but there's going to be times to where you're, uh, that, that Satan is going to even use the heartstrings of your children to keep you from following the Lord. He's dealing with some things in the verses before this. And in uh, in First Corinthians, I mean in First Timothy six, he's dealing with some things that that sideline Christians, that sideline preachers. And, and and so what he's saying, if you're going to follow after Jesus, you're going to have to give up some things to catch that thing. I want you to get this. Think about this with me. To catch that thing that you're following, how many of you understand that you must be single minded in your pursuit? And man, every time, every time I, I have, I have, uh, you know, terrible thing happened. Uh, ter- a terrible thing that happened to, to to me years ago was a cell phone in the in the woods, deer hunting. Like it didn't back when I deer hunted. It didn't it didn't have as many cool things on it as it has now. But but even then, I you know I I'm already kind of squirrely anyway. And I'd be deer hunting, and nothing, nothing, going 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour go by. And they say, you know, I'm like, man, wonder who's wonder who's posting something stupid on Facebook. Or I, on the other hand, like, hey, let's post something stupid on Facebook. It, you know, I, I, I mean, or I'm looking at this, or I'm looking at that, or, you know, got some something or other going on. And they're saying, you know, before he knows what happens, the thing that I was pursuing is no longer in my vision. I'm not single-minded anymore. And it's crept up on me, and, and guess what? It got away from me. You know why? Because I was double-minded. I was not single-minded in my pursuit. Same thing happens to us. Same thing happens to us. That, that our pursuit must be a single-minded pursuit. There, there's really interesting a uh, couple of verses. Mark chapter number 8. I want you to see these. They kind of lay out the same, uh, same understanding. Look what happens when you desire to save your life. Okay? And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. So on one hand, you're like, man, yeah, I I see what you're saying. If you you desire to save your life, then you're actually going to lose your life. But if you desire to lose your life, then you're going to save your life for the gospel's sake. You see, our desire must be single, a single-minded pursuit. And then there's not the image of, of a pursuit, there's the image of a, of a race being won. He says, uh, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, uh, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind him, reaching forth unto those things 
which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Okay, he was after a mark. There was some kind of mark. There was some kind of race. There was some kind of uh, a, a, a thing that was, I mean, competitive thing that Paul was placing in the eyes of the Philippians and every reader that would come along and read the letter to the church at Philippi thereafter. That there is something bigger than our, there is a, there is something, a prize in view. Now, I don't know, we know Paul did this a couple other times. He talked about a runner running a race and being uh, escorted away when he was uh, cast away. So we think, we, we have pretty good understanding, it's the same kind of deal. And Paul is like, he, he's after this mark, and, and what's interesting is he didn't let the past, the past keep him from pressing toward the mark. Now, for Paul, his past is different than our past. And I think it's an interesting thing that you need to see. He had to forget the things that were behind that would keep him from pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, you ready, in Christ Jesus. So what would do that in his life? Okay, remember, we dealt with this just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Philippians 3 verse 5, what was it? He said, if any, or verse 4, he said, if any man, uh, what, well, let me just, let me look. He said, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof uh, he might trust in the flesh. What did he say? I more. Okay. He said, I more. Okay. His thing that would keep him from pressing toward the mark, the thing that he had to forget was where he came from would tell him that he was already good enough. Does that, does that make sense for everybody? Like, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I'm good, I got all the accolades. What was the accolades? Look in verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the, stock of, uh, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, touching law, Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But look what he says in verse 7. But what things were gained to me? All those things were gained. They told me who I was. They told me what kind of person I was. Those I counted lost for Christ. So, 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 so these are the things that Paul, these are the things that Paul had to, to forget. Why? Because he worked really hard for all those things. He did a lot of hard work. He put a lot of time, put a lot of energy, put a lot of effort in. Paul was the man when it came to time, energy, and effort in in accruing accolades of righteousness, okay? But what he didn't know is righteousness was filthy rags. All right, so, so here it is. For some of us, our past, it isn't like Paul's. But it's still keeping you from pressing towards the mark. You say, well, maybe, maybe it is like Paul's. Maybe you do feel a little entitled. Maybe you do feel a little bit better than what you ought to feel. You, you need to junk that. Why? Because all those things that you counted loss, I mean that you counted gain, they need to be thrown in the trash. Why? So that you may win Christ. 
so, so that you, you may run, you may press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Okay. My past was, was terrible. And sometimes it, it, it has derailed me, right? My past is, is, is something that would keep me from pressing toward the prize. Okay. A religious man has a really big problem too, and he has the same kind of deal. So, so, so we need to make sure that our ambition is right. What is our what is what is what is this ambition? Uh, well, we need to understand that our pursuit should be Jesus, and our race should be ran for Jesus Christ. And then let me give this last one: the right desire, the right desire, the right desire. So I, I want you to get this: nobody is asking anybody to live out any level of growth that they're not at right now. But I am asking, I am pleading, I am making a plea that you would live out the level that you're at right now. Not one that you will be at, but the, the one that you're, you're at right now. Where, where Whoever you are and wherever you are in your walk right now, that you'll live out that level. So I want you to look at verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any man, uh, excuse me, if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it, uh, shall reveal even this un, unto you. Now, so there's, there's a couple things that, you, you, that we need to address. Well, one is, is Paul saying that he's perfect? Not necessarily. He is saying that, that if there's anybody out there that thinks they're perfect, let's just say you all think you're perfect. He's preaching to the choir. And you all think you're complete. You all think you're perfect. Here, here it is. Be thus minded. Be thus minded. What, what minded? Verse 14 minded. Okay? But, but be thus minded. We've got to press toward the mark. We've got to press. We've got to forget the things. We've got to count, uh, we've got to count not ourselves to have apprehended, but we've got to forget those things, and we've got to reach forth on those things which are before. That, that's what we're talking about. Let us therefore. This is what we've got to do. If you're perfect, guess what? you still got to do that. If you, if you think you're perfect, you're still on track to grow. Okay? Immaturity. Make sure this is a, this is a big one. And, and I think it's in your notes. Immaturity is marked by false assessments. By false evaluations. In our immaturity, we, we're, we think we're more than we actually are. How do you know that? 
Well, I know that because the last two or three years of Hutt's life, we've been having men's fellowships. And he comes in and he says, well, I'm going to the men's fellowship tonight. No, I said, well, no, you're not. <laughs> Why ain't I going? He said, I'm a man. <laughs> I said, no, 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 you're not. He said, yes, I am. He beats on his chest. He said, I'm a man. I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're not. You're a boy. I ain't a boy. I'm a man. I'm like, no, no, son, you... Yeah, I think I think you're you're missing what's, what I'm trying to tell you here. Well, why do you always tell me I'm not a man? Because you're not a man. Th this is how I know. H how many? How many? I mean, I don't know. There's probably somebody else in here who's had a boy, known a boy. You know, what's up, boy? I ain't no boy. I got you. Am I? Uh, I, I I grew up with some guy. I got you, boy, right here. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, all right. And next thing you know, they'd be wanting to fight. Because you didn't give them their, their, their manhood. Here's, here's, you know, we do the same thing with spiritual growth. Why? Because we don't get real with the Lord. Because the moment you get real with the Lord, you understand your pursuits are not what you thought they were. You understand that you're not really running the race that you wished you were. And so what happens is we, we come up with a false assessment. We come up with a false evaluation where we actually are. If you don't have a desire, if you don't have a a genuine desire to grow. You need to know this. Okay, this, this is a good one. You need to know you're not as grown as what you think you are. How do you know that? All right, so there's, let me tell you, let me tell you this story. And I'll give you one more verse. This old man, uh, I knew, uh, great, 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 probably one of the greatest Christians I knew, Junior Atchison is his name. Junior was at Northside, he was a deacon at Northside Baptist Church uh, when I got saved. And just as sweet, uh, just as sweet as he could possibly be. And I, I'd go over and sit with Junior on his, uh, on his carport. And, uh, and Junior, any time of the day, you might go by there and he's sitting out on that front porch with his Bible open in his lap. And Junior legitimately loved the Lord with all his heart. I mean, he loved Jesus Christ. And it, it was a really, it was, it was a it was a really interesting thing. When you would go and talk with Junior, though, you could tell that Junior didn't know that you seen Junior the way you seen him. You could just tell. Like you looked at Junior and you thought, man, that, that old boy loves Jesus. 
But Junior didn't see that same person in the mirror. What did Junior see? He seen somebody that wanted to know more. He seen somebody that wanted to keep growing. He seen somebody that, that had a desire, a genuine desire to know more about the Lord. You've seen Junior as grown, but Junior seen Junior as, man, I, I got to grow. I got to get closer. I gotta, I got, my pursuit has got to be greater. My race has got to be run. You say, what is that? That is what God had called us to right there. Why? You know what that done for me as a young Christian? Holy Moses. I got to know more, man. I got to I got to get closer. I got to grow, dude. I, I man, look at this dude. man, he would pray. He, he and man, he would pray and he, man, it felt like it felt like heaven was coming down. And he didn't know heaven was coming. And he, and you know, he just, he just knew he was calling on the Lord. And you could hear the earnestness in his voice. He didn't see himself for what he was. Why? Because that's what he, he seen himself for who he was in Christ. Not who he was in the flesh. It's a good day when you, when you, when you decide you don't look in the mirror and see anybody but, a, but just a person that God saved by His grace. But God sees you different. And other people see you different. Other people see you growing in the Lord. And it's a good thing for you to absolutely devalue yourself because you want to run the race that God called you to run. Let me give one more verse. Verse 16, Nevertheless, whereunto we had already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same things. The same thing. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. This is what Paul's saying. Whereunto we have already attained. You ready? Whereunto all right, you ready? What does that mean? It means where you are, where you have made it to. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that? You ready? Where until you've already attained, wherever you are at right now, the place that you've already attained to, you ready? Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Whatever age that you are, the place that you've made it to, act that age. Right? What, what does it mean? If you've grown to a certain level, then you should walk that out. Okay? You should... Your, your walk should change, you ready? By what rule, by, by the rule or the measurement that you've grown to. So you don't get to go back and act like you were. Why? Because you've grown, so you've got to walk that way. He says, let us, let us mind the same thing. So, our walk should change. 
What else should change? Our thoughts should change. Our thoughts should change. See, this idea of continual growth, this idea of continual discipleship is the idea that me and you are always growing. We're always changing. Here's, here's a big one. There's, there's a group. There'll be a group. There'll always be a group. There'll always be a group of, of Christians and and even uh, they label themselves Christians, but they're nothing more than a religious, a religious organization with a name tied to them. With a name tied to them. If they're not giving a church a steady dose of something that they can grow on, They'll never change as a church. In a church that doesn't change, a church that doesn't grow, guess what? It is useless to the world. It's useless. It's useless to those in darkness. And so I want you to make sure as we pray tonight, man, I, I hope, I hope that those things that those things can get buried deep in your heart and that you can get serious about looking at this idea of continual discipleship in your own life. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for giving us a good night. Lord, thank you for helping my voice. And uh, Lord, bless your name. And that you let me be able to finish tonight. And, and God, I, I really was worried to begin with. And and so, God, uh, for that, I just want to say thank you, for real. Bless your name. Uh, Lord, I pray to you bless this coming weekend uh, with those going to the discipleship conference. Lord, bless uh, those that will minister in song in our church. Uh, Lord, we got a, a, a big deal ahead of us. And, uh, God, thank you for their diligence to pray and to make song selections and to... Um, to practice like they have, and I'm I'm so looking forward to them uh, worshiping the Lord with all those other couples. And so, uh, God, we just want to say thank you for giving us a good night in here. And I pray uh, that we've been that we'll be faithful to steward what we heard tonight. Lord, I love you. I pray to give us a good time, a uh, good rest of the week, Lord. Uh, as we come back in here and and we look Sunday at the millennium. Um, God, I pray that you get our hearts right and that you get us to a place uh, to where you can speak to us and give us ears to hear through that whole thing. Lord, in Jesus' name, we do love you. Amen. Amen. All right.